We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, you know, don't, don't make it. We're back. All right, welcome in to another BuzzBeat podcast. This is Brian Geisinger. I will be joined by Lee. Uh, Richie is also here producing. Uh, no Spencer today. He's out. But uh, with the NBA season coming up pretty quickly, like preseason games, uh, we'll be live a month from now, the regular season in six weeks. We were kind of just talking about the timeline on the horizon. Uh, I know this has not been the most eventful or positive of off seasons for the Charlotte Hornets. With that in mind, we're going to continue to have our eyes on the 2023 NBA draft. Lee and I have done a couple already previews looking ahead, mostly at college prospects, most of whom I would say are 2023 prospects. Maybe some are are guys that project further down the line, but the player we're going to talk about today uh, as opposed to doing a handful of prospects, we're going to focus in on one guy because this is a, the type of prospect that deserves our full attention for a full episode. This is one of the best prospects for the 2023 draft. You could probably make a case that he is the best prospect for the 2023 draft or you know, 1A, 1B, something along those lines. One of the best lead guard prospects, guard prospects that we have seen, I would say, in recent years. And that would be one Scoot Henderson, the 18-year-old out of Georgia, who is heading into his second season uh, with the G League Ignite. Very excited to see what he looks like with the new cast of talent around him, a new schedule up ahead this season. But uh, as someone who didn't see any of Scoot on the prep levels or on like you know EY, EYBL levels, just my first experience with him was his action with the ignite last season. Um, I came away very impressed, but before we, before we fully dive into scoot uh, Lee, how are you doing here? I'm great, man. I, um, we were also talking a little bit uh, before the pod, just about how, you know, we've had kind of a, a different uh, version of content coming out throughout the summer and the off season, which I think has been cool. Richie's done some really nice stuff with, former Hornets players like Eddie Robinson. Um, and he had a podcast on Wednesday with Nick's film school, 
um, talking some NBA offseason stuff. Me and Brian have been doing a lot of NBA draft, kind of looking ahead type stuff. And then we've also kind of sprinkled in, you know, some fun, like random Hornet stuff as well. So mm-hmm. it's been it's been fun to kind of change gears a few different times this summer as we lead up to, you know, basically six weeks from the season opener, obviously even less than that to the preseason opener. We will have plenty to talk about once the season gets started, but it's just nice to, um, you know, kind of do some different podcasts throughout the off season. Um, and everything else is good my way. Looking forward to a nice weekend. And also, of course, a uh, shout out to all of our BuzzBeat Plus and buzzbeat.substack.com uh, mm-hmm. listeners. You know, those are our premium followers so we can't thank them enough and uh yeah jump on jump on board if you haven't already we really appreciate everybody listening yeah thank you for getting that in and and shout out to the guy for the guys from nick's film school having richie on those are good people um and uh, i have not listened to that yet but that is going to be on the the workout uh playlist at some point for me this weekend so excited to dive in and there were even people today we're recording this on friday the 9th i saw people kicking around you know sort of hypothetical randall reddish to charlotte trades uh for gordon hayward i saw that floating around on the on twitter uh this morning and afternoon so an app time for for richie to go on and 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 talk with those guys so uh there's also going to be hopefully a little bit of a video component to this pod you know we're not going to be doing uh i think uh play-by-play breakdowns here but there is going to be a bit of a film component hopefully you know, some of you guys have caught Scoot Henderson uh, previously, but if not, there's going to be some some film packages sprinkled in here. So let's, without further ado, uh, let's actually just dive in here. Scoot Henderson, first thoughts are an absolutely special, special athlete at the guard position for sure, but also just as like a basketball prospect in general. Insane speed high quickness, elite burst. Some of, I think, the best burst with with the basketball, without the basketball that you're going to see of any prospect, especially at the guard position, but just absolutely zero to 100 in the blink of an eye. This guy is an instant advantage creator, an easy advantage creator. And I think with these lead guard prospects like Scoot, that is absolutely one of the things, Lee, that I that I'm that I'm always going to be focused on. And this guy is able to touch the paint with a live dribble, either one on one, attacking closeout, certainly in the pick and roll, definitely in transition, where it feels like he's almost a bit of a cheat code. But he's the kind of guy that I think projects to being a primary initiator, a guy that runs a lot of pick and rolls with a, that you put like a spread offense around him. And you let this guy just cave in the defense and get into the lane and make plays. A special vertical athlete off, you know, his ability to go from first step to uh, the first couple of dribbles to getting in the air, um, especially off one foot, getting in the air to finish uh, at the basket, especially when he's able to sort of like turn the corner, get downhill and get an edge on rim protection, get an edge on his defender. Cause as soon as he has that, if you give this guy a sliver, he's going to beat you to the rim. Like he's all, it's seemingly he's always going to win the race. If, unless the guy is just, unless the help is defense is sort of like right lined up uh, directly 
in front of him. So again, for a six, three, six, four guard that is continuing to get stronger again, he just turned 18, uh, I think back in February, but a special athlete with his ability to, to get downhill, to get into the paint, the burst and the vertical pop. So just continuing maybe with this, there's focus on his athleticism um, and maybe also initial first impressions. Lee, as you dove into to scoot film, either in advance of this pod or uh, if, as you were watching maybe guys like Dyson Daniels or, or Jaden Hardy this past season with the G League Ignite or Marjan Beauchamp, uh, what are some of your thoughts on scoot initially specific towards his athleticism and sort of maybe what, what you think of him and how that translates to the, uh, the next level here? Well, I think, uh, I think you basically let off with the term of, you know, like rocket athlete, nuclear athlete, like whatever kind of like, uh, you know, explosive, uh, descriptor, uh, you want to put there, like it, 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 it tracks. Uh, so like the physical profile, and like the functional vertical basketball athleticism is what's, you know, what just jumps off the screen with Scoot. I think one of the other like big things that I keep coming back to is, you know, he's 18 years old right now. He was a 17 year old in the G league and he averaged 14 points a game, five rebounds a game, three and a half assists. This is kind of in their, uh, quote unquote actual regular season is what those stats come from. They also had like a showcase season as well. So those would be a little bit separate, but that gives you an idea of like how productive he was as a 17 year old teenager in the G league, which obviously if you're a listener of this podcast, you know, is like everything from, you know, young prospects like this to, 35 year old NBA vets that played 10 or 12 years in the league and are kind of either still hanging on or trying to get back into the league for like one more opportunity. So the, 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 the picture I'm trying to paint here is that this kid is a 17 year old that although maybe not in the most efficient manner, we'll get into some of his like numbers as well, but just from a productivity standpoint, because of what his athleticism lends him like to be able to do on a basketball court, it's a pretty unique situation with his age, athleticism and production at a really, really high level. And I was going back through like the past, like three or four drafts, just kind of like refreshing my mind on all of the different guard prospects that we've seen. And there's been some awesome guard prospects, but from a pure basketball athleticism standpoint, the only guy that I could really find in the last three drafts that even kind of sniffs his territory for a lead guard, by the way, I'm like excluding weight, like is Jalen green, who obviously was also a G league ignite guy. I think scoot is probably farther along as a passer already than Jalen green is Jalen is probably a little ahead of schedule in the shooting, Um, and I'm not even necessarily trying to compare them too much. I'm just like, I'm just trying to like paint the perspective for the listeners of kind of how the rarefied air of athleticism he lives in. I mean, we've had all these really awesome lead passing guards, uh, like a gluttony of lead passing guards, these past few drafts, when you go Halliburton, Giddy, um, Cunningham ball, but like scoot is just a different type of guy. Um, and obviously there's pros and cons to that, 
Uh, but that that's what jumps off the page to me. It, it's what you already alluded to. It's the explosive, unique athleticism that is like a once in every three year kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you go back the last three draft cycles to like 2020, I think the guys that compare to him in terms of speed and burst, it's, uh, you know, it's Ann Edwards, it's Jaden Ivy. And those are, they're different players. I mean, Edwards obviously is, is, but, you know, much stronger, right? Another, another Atlanta guy. Ivy's a good one. Yeah, Ivy. You, certainly, you know, still a little bit uh, at this point, still, uh, you know, bigger than Scoot, but has that kind of just, uh, you know, Randy Moss running a, a fly pattern, just a, elite speed. Um, if you go back to 2019, you could probably pick, you know, John Morant, right? Another one of these sort of like lead guard freak athletes, yep. but. I think even some of the better analogs, you've got to go further back to, you know, John Wall or Rose or, you know, those those types of guys, which, again, I know we we listed off a a ton of incredible players, um, including some all time players, some of the best players, guards of the last decade. And yeah, I mean, he is that level of prospect. What I would say with Scoot is that it's not just it's not just the speed, which, again, let me before I let me circle back real quickly. This guy's ability to go from like there were times watching him in the G, G League this season where you would see him like catch the ball and he would be able to kind of like ramp up a little bit and get a couple of steps before hitting the screen or before getting to the defender. And at that point, like it's too late if you don't have guys set up in front of him. But there were other times too where he'd either go from a standstill and just race by the guy in front of him, just attack top foot and and get downhill. There were other times too. There was one game I was watching. I think it was the Mexico city game where he, it's like he catches the ball, I think on a kick out or something. He's a couple steps inside the arc. He starts to reverse dribble. Like he's moving away from the basket and his guy is sort of like slowly sliding to come out to him and he just plants his back left foot and then just immediately goes downhill. So, and just races by his guy and gets to the rim before the help defense can even get there. Just again, even when he's at seemingly a disadvantage, you know, either there's guys that are in decent position or he's coming from a standstill or he's even literally moving away from the target. You know, he's still able to flip the switch. And again, especially going to his right, his ability to just get into the paint, get to the rim and finish with that, that really special vertical athleticism is uh, just so impressive. It, It jumps off the screen every time you watch him. But what I would, what I would add, and I think it's an important part of his game is that he's not just straight line burst. He has the ability to mix tempos. He has the ability to mix speeds, to mix direction. And you see him employ all of these things at a level that's pretty, pretty advanced. I I, I would say Uh, his ability to, to actually like use skill, not just the downhill drive. Oh, there's a crease. Let me go fly in and and attack this, his ability to cross over the quick, you know, one, two dribble crossovers. I, I don't, we can talk about the handle more, I'm not sure the yeah, here you can see Scoot dribbling up the court here and just that that quick one cross then the second cross he means fails to finish through contact at the rim on that play but you do see like even against the set defense as he's walking dribble combination court, yeah yeah and I, I do think that's an area where he can improve and and I think he will but yeah the one two quick combo crossovers are just nasty and he can completely split a defense with those in the blink of an eye I also think 
and this is one of the things that was really impressive, I think, for a guy who was, you know, 17 years old for half the season with the Ignite, playing with a bunch of, uh, you know, future NBA prospects, playing against a bunch of vets, like you mentioned, Lee, was his patience. There, There is a genuine poise to this guy's game, his ability to snake, pick, and roll. That, that as soon as he turns the corner, it doesn't have to be a beeline to the rim. Like, he's willing to to make moves to show patience. If you just drop, if the, if the, if the, the screen defender, the, the opposing center just drops, he's, he's very comfortable shooting off the dribble from the mid range. So he's already giving you some mid range scoring. And I think that is pretty impressive. I mean, we can talk about the shot because that's going to be a big deal for him and sort of is maybe the next big step, but that mid range scoring for him is pretty darn impressive. So again, the poise because he's, he's will be patient with the ball. He'll let the roller get downhill. He's willing to snake back. He's willing to change directions to sort of like show help defenses and screen defenders, different looks, but also the willingness to not force if it's not there to either just take the pass that's available. If there's a spot up guy, you know, if help comes at the nail and there's just a kick out to Jaden Hardy, or if there's a kick out to, there was a kick out to Marjan or his ability to simply just rise up and take those, 19 foot pull-ups like that is that's a superstar shot right those are the superstars going to take those shots and so i think it was pretty impressive that he was able to uh to to get to that stuff and then just the the sort of like the last thing i would say uh before i flip it back to you lee and, and feel free to take it in any direction is it is almost comical when you're able to give this guy some advantage to play off of before he has the basketball like whether that's him again, attacking in transition is sort of like the most, the, the best case of this, right? Where, it, you know, someone hits it ahead to him and already he's got, you know, he's leading the break on, on the wing on a, you know, three on two or whatever. Sometimes that is him getting to attack a closeout. If, if an opponent does give him a hard closeout, which you can maybe debate the merits of that, given the three point shot and where it's at right now. But also like when they would put him in action, when the G League Ignite would put him in action and, you know, run him off of a screen into a dribble handoff and then let him turn the corner. And again, it's just he's going to force help rotations doing stuff like that. He's going to force guys to collapse into the paint. It's incredible how often this guy uh, was able to get into the paint and bring three, four help defenders with him. He's going to create a ton of open kickout threes. It's just, it's obvious it's in his game. And uh, I mean, there's again, the shots going to have to come online to sort of like allow those things to fully flourish. But I do love the fact that you can scheme up stuff for this guy too. You can put him in the action and that can really, really, really make him dangerous because if you give him an advantage, he's already a better athlete than the guy guarding him, you know? And I, and I do think that will translate to most NBA defenders uh, as well. So anyways, Lee, we'll just flip it over to you in terms of Scoot. Any other thoughts in terms of on-ball offense with, uh, with Scoot Henderson you'd like to get in here? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so I, I love the point you made regarding kind of his, uh, his versatility and his ability to be put in offensive action, not necessarily as a lead attacker, although that's a pretty obvious quality of his, but you know, that the dribble handoff stuff, the, you know, empty side isolation attack type stuff he's, he's, he's got in the bag. I think, I think you mentioned his poise and maturity, which is a great point. Obviously, he's still a young player. You know, he's going to have his fair share of mistakes. But in, in terms of the way he kind of carries himself and the way he operates, it's such a positive indicator, in my opinion, because sometimes one of the hardest things to teach these advantage creation guards that are young is that when they beat their defender and they cause, you know, defenses to contract and to rotate like getting them to understand sometimes that they've already done their job and that they don't need to kind of continue pushing that and and get to the rim for a for a difficult uh difficult finish that they've already done their job they've created the advantage they've made the defense contract and rotate and to find the open players that's like a big step for young guards to make as they're trying to like in their development arc. And he like kind of already has that you alluded to the decision-making the maturity and the poise. So his pick and roll ball handler numbers are really impressive. 0.987 points per possession per synergy, uh, and, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. For a, that's 90th percentile in the G league. Like yeah. these are, yeah. these are professional point guards. One one point per possession is is that's really good stuff, man. And then when you, when you take it to pick and roll, including passes, which is 126 possessions, which is like not nothing, it goes up to 1.1 points uh, per possession, which is mm-hmm. 94th percentile. So his efficiency actually goes up in the pick and roll when you include uh, the times in, when he's kicking out or or dumping off to to open teammates, which just supports kind of the case you've already made for him as like, as like a lead distributor. Yeah. The, the, again, I think he's a good passer. I'm glad it seems like you're in agreement there, which, which makes me happy. I, I think there's some, I think some uh, sort of like grade him out as, as like a average passer or whatever at this point, I tend to think he's pretty good. And I think there's a ton of room for improvement. I think he can become more manipulative. I think he can become better at reading backline help coverages. I think he become a better skip passer, but as far as it goes, like getting into the paint and making like lay down passes, like he, he doesn't have tunnel vision. It's when he turns the corner, it's not just 
oh, I got to get to the rim, which it is to an extent because like he can do that. But but part of that process is him always being cognizant of where the rim, where the rim protection is and, and being very good at lay down passes with either hand, I would say, in, in relatively crafty fashion. And I think that stuff is very important for him because there is there are some issues as good as he is finishing. There are some issues going through contact, you know, so that I that I think Scoot possesses. However, those lay down passes are such a nice counter, right? Because right. If, if the if the six ten center is coming over to help and he gets him off his feet, Scoot's going to hit that lay down pass every time. And again, once he starts being better and more accurate with the skip passes, which again I, I do think that's something he will improve on. We've seen plenty of uh, of advantage creators. Uh, in the NBA, get get better at that stuff with time. Uh, again, I think he has the ability to just create good looks. He projects as the, the kind of guy that can just slash a defense and create good looks for himself or for his teammates every time down the court. Now, I do think it's important. Richie, at some point, who's again, Richie's producing this. We appreciate him throwing in some of these clips here. You know, Richie showed a, a pull up three out of the pick and roll that he hit. I think it was in the Detroit game or the the Motor City game. Forgive me, where the guard the guard defender goes under and he's able to sort of like take just a quick little step back, pull up, you know, off dribble three. I like the fact that he's willing to take those shots. Like the, yeah, here you go. You see def- ball screen defender goes under pretty easy, you know, rhythm kind of like a half step back, not quite like a full space creation step back shot, but you hey, look, he didn't shoot a good number on threes in the stats that I'm looking at for the full season with the ignite. This is 21 games. You know, he shot under 22%, uh, only two and a half, three point attempts per game. But like, I think the shot looks all right. I actually think some of the off catch, like the spot up shooting kind of release and, and gather, like I think all that stuff looks pretty good. I think the mid range shooting looks pretty good. He shot a good number from the free throw line, like almost 78%, not a ton of attempts, but there are like a lot of indicators to suggest that I think he's going to become a good enough of a pull up shooter that it's going to force teams just aren't going to be able to just go under. Right. Because for if, if he were playing in the NBA this season, that would be the coverage against him. Right. Yep out of the pick and roll would be just go under, try to take away the drive, force this guy to do, to be manipulative or to hit a three. And, and that's some of the stuff where he's going to have to become, uh, he's going to have to improve the, the shots going to have to get better. And sort of, I think some of the second and third read playmaking will have to improve or, you know, the third and fourth read playmaking. Cause I, cause I think he kind of knows what he's doing for himself for the obvious kickouts for the obvious lay down passes. Um, but we'll, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, what more he can add. Cause I think he's already pretty intuitive in terms of like live dribble creating and, uh, and, uh, in scoring. All right, Lee, anything else you'd like to add in terms of on ball offense before maybe we shift around a little bit here with scoot. Yep. So the, and the free throw numbers too, you know, they're probably a little depressed cause they do the, they do the one for two in the G league as well. So like when yep. you look an at important those, note, that's an important yeah. note. When you look at those um, attempts, uh, I think you know. I think he'll be able to to elevate that a little bit at the next level. Um, for sure, for sure, he's going to draw a ton of fouls. Like just it's with just, the way it is. yeah, <laughs> he's going to put pressure on the rim and he's going to draw contact. So I think I think that is a pretty good synopsis as far as kind of like his on ball half court offense. I, if we could pivot a little bit, one kind of like higher level, more macro thought I've, I've, I have about Scoot that I think is really interesting is 
obviously he's going to be playing his second year here for the G League Ignite. And last year he was with Jaden Hardy and Dyson Daniels, who are like almost couldn't be two opposite players, but both like had usage and both uh, were effective at times with the ball in their hands. So I just think Scoot's role this year is going to be so different and could be in a really positive way. Like he's going to be much more featured on the ball as like a primary offensive engine with Hardy and Daniels gone. And, you know, looking at kind of who they have coming in, I mean, like Sharif O'Neal is a big, uh, Leonard Miller is kind of like a wing forward. Um, that's, that's a really exciting, like, cause, cause yeah. Miller can Miller as like a forward can like create advantage too. Uh, I believe city Sissoko yep. is coming over from France. Um, and the kid from Washington state, um, uh, F a Abaji. I'm going to, I'm going to totally, yeah. uh, no, all good. but that's a that's a good i mean that's a good point because they also use like poo jeter as like the veteran that could give them some like on ball reps so like yeah scoot is going to get more on ball primary reps this season he got plenty last season in the g league like they they fed him that stuff but your point is your point is good i think it's gonna it's a it's gonna be an on ball diet that looks a little bit more like probably what he projects to in the nba right as opposed to totally as opposed to it being sort of a mix and him splitting like those primary reps, especially with Daniels and Hardy. I thought he and Hardy had like, by the end of the season had like awesome chemistry together. And like, I don't think, I mean, Hardy was playing great on his own and was like creating his own shots too. But there was plenty just like him being like, Hey, if I just like space out on the wing while scoot drives. Like I'm going to get, I'm going to get good looks. I thought those guys did a nice job kind of playing off of one another in a way that, um, kind of excited me a little bit thinking like further down the road, if scoot ever gets in the backcourt where there's like a dual ball handler component to it, cough, Lamello, Charlotte, <laughs> cough, cough, cough. Um, so I thought that was interesting, especially because uh, the aforementioned Lamello ball, pretty good spot up shooter as we've discussed plenty of times on this pod. So we can maybe circle back to that at the end, but I do think scoot is a guy that would fit <laughs> very nicely uh, on the you like going for like uh, yeah I'm a big <laughs> fan um and I should also say I mentioned the mid-range shooting this year uh scoot shot 49% on pull-up jumpers this season that's not an effective number that's just raw field goal percentage but again speaks to this guy's ability to be pretty dynamic um and, and to be poised when he's seeing that drop coverage in terms of some of that sort of like off-ball stuff mm-hmm. and I I not only was I impressed with him like attacking closeouts because again he's like a cheat code in that type of situation, but his willingness to move without the basketball, to be a cutter, to be a guy that is willing to whether he's prowling the baseline or it's an action that the G League Ignite has called up that is involving him to slice and get back door here they're going to throw it to the elbow on this play, the quick drop pass and then Ooh. just to the rim in a flash, <laughs> um, and again it's just a guy that is willing to move without the basketball. Uh, this is another clip we're just playing on the, the highlight package here. Scoot grabbing an offensive rebound against uh, Motor City. This is something that's going to come lower down the scouting report with Scoot, but I love his willingness to offensive rebound. Like he is 
a hellacious offensive rebounder. <laughs> Every time I would watch a G League Ignite game, you know, this season getting ready for the 2021 draft or later on this summer, you know, sort of like trying to zero in on Scoot a little bit more. It's hilarious as soon as he's in the game. Like, you know, this dude, the first shot goes up um, by Hardy or someone else. Like he's, he's crashing the glass and it is a hilarious time where you really get to see him. Maybe not hilarious. Isn't the right word. It is incredible to see him use that vertical leaping ability in these, in these different roles and to sort of lean into being a complimentary player at times and being a guy that you'll see a six eleven guy camped under a defensive rebound, just like waiting for it to fall from the ceiling so they can grab it and go down on offense. And he'll come in from the opposite wing and, and jump high enough to snatch it before anyone taller than him can actually grab it. So just, his ability to create not just extra possessions, but extra possessions that are sort of elevated in a way, right? Because he's probably not going to catch that offensive rebound and immediately go back up, but he can kick it out. So it's going to be a spot up three, or it's going to be a, a, a closeout to attack. I just think he did an, or he'll catch it. He'll reset. And then, the defense is is scrambled because his guy didn't box him out. So now all of a sudden the, the power forward is on Scoot Henderson. Well, that's he's gonna drive right by that guy. So I just think he does a nice job hustling his way into it just especially juicy sort of like extra possessions with his willingness to not just move without the basketball, but also in, in this case to hit the offensive glass. So Lee, what are your thoughts on sort of his off ball offense or maybe some of some of the like um I don't, I don't, not intangible. That's not the right word here, but sort of like some of like the, the toolsier parts of his game without the basketball in the half court. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, uh, he's just, yeah, he's a useful player. I mean, aside from all kind of like the standout stuff he has, I think what the, what kind of like the off ball movement, you know, his ability to cut within a half court offense, his ability to, to offensive rebound, um, in that kind of special, like one-handed rebound clip uh, that Richie just queued up prior when you were speaking, it, it really, to me, what it points to is like that functional basketball, basketball athleticism term that I keep coming to, and it's like great point. Yes, yes, he's an explosive athlete. Like, yes, he's awesome in transition because of that and his ball handling, but it's it's useful in a basketball context. He's not just a guy who's going to test out well, uh, like at a combine on a vertical, like he will do that too. Don't get me wrong, but (laughs) it it actually impacts, you know, uh, it impacts winning on both ends because he is aware of how to employ that athleticism, um, to do good things for his basketball team. So, you know, all of those, like you said, kind of ancillary skills, um, that his that his athleticism touches, it just points to the fact that he has like some know how as a basketball player to like uh, channel that athleticism in in useful ways. Him making like Marcus Smart style like winning plays uh, uh, on the you know going for like an offensive rebound. I almost not, said that earlier when you're not. It's not not on the not on the on ball defense to be clear. Where there are some uh, some some problems, which we should yeah we should chat. Yeah, about let's uh, with that in mind. Let's use that as a bit of a segue and let's flip over to the defensive side of the court and let's maybe start with um, the point of attack and on ball defense. Um, I think this is an area where like it's pretty obvious that like Henderson needs work. Um, it's not that he physically isn't gifted enough. Like he's got long arms. 
He's incredibly quick laterally. His hands are insanely quick, almost maybe to a fault. Like I think that allows him to sort of like, you know, in previous levels and probably we'll see it again this season on the G league that allows him to sort of like make up for not being as frisky as he should, or as like industrious as he should at the, at the point of attack. Um, I feel like often in pick and roll defense, I see him default to just going under the screen and opposing ball handlers can shake him with a crossover or a spin move. They can reject. Like he just sort of like volunteers and gives up space right at the point of attack. And, and where you really need to have like some punch and some fight, all of a sudden the defense is, is like a little compromised already because, because Scoot is taking sort of like bad process guarding the initial, uh, the initial ball screen. Um, I think again, the friskiness, the screen navigation, it needs, it needs some seasoning. Um, it's there some of the time, but I just think it's like a mentality thing, uh, clicking in on every possession where he's the one guarding a ball screen, I think is going to be a big deal. And look for a guy that is, you know, we just talked about this a second ago, but Scoot's going to get more on ball reps this season for, for the ignite. Uh, he projects to being a guy that's going to have a huge on ball role on the next level. He, this is something where you're, you're probably going to want to see him improve. And we see plenty of primary to primary ball handlers that struggle guarding pick and roll on the other end, Trey young, John Morant, uh, Luka Doncic. These guys all come in all different sizes, obviously too. But uh, that is something you're going to, I think, want to see just given his athletic traits, given the length, given the hands, I think you can probably expect and at least hope for a little bit more from Scoot. I think he should be able to give you more impact at the point of attack, more impact guarding the basketball. Um, I don't much prefer the closeout. Some of them are like pretty bad where like he's just like ball chasing and then it's, he's forced into a closeout and the guy is driving by him. Like it's Scoot Henderson driving by somebody, you know, and it's all because he's taken a, a it's like a, Sometimes it makes me feel like it's like an outfielder that's taken a bad path to catching a like, <laughs> line drive fly ball and just the the positioning is off. And so, you know, occasionally he has the athleticism to sort of like make up for taking a bad path, the quick hands, the ability to, to block a shot or to, to deflect and get a steal to reach his hands in there. But, uh, but often against, especially once the competition becomes better and better, that's going to become something he's able to get away with far less frequently. And, uh, that, that seems like something he's really gonna have to clean up. So I do think point of attack defense, close out ISO defense are two things that are, are, he'll have to improve. Uh, Lee, what are your thoughts on, on scoot defensively uh, at this stage? Yeah, I think that was all really well said. He, okay. So there's two things, right? Like number one, obviously he, he is. He's not limited athletically. He is limited a little bit by his size. You know, obviously he's not, he's not a six, five, six, six, just yeah, yeah. brick house. Like some yeah. of these other yeah. just elite, elite point of attack defenders are. He's just as athletic as any of them. He's probably got, like you said, ju- just as good a hands as, as just about any of those uh, kind of any counterparts he would have. But well, he, he makes a great, you talk about the hands, he makes a great play there in the, in the, in the clip that Rich is, is playing right now. And then of course the explosiveness and the speed gets out in transition and makes a great play. We've got another pick and roll clip here where, yeah. where he gets yeah. beat and that, and that's yeah. what BG is talking about right there. It's kind of, I mean, part of it's youth. Part of it is like craftiness for back of a letter word, like understanding angles, understanding, mm-hmm driving lanes and like opposing guards attacking him and how to, and how to shut off some of that stuff. I think 
aside from from the youth and the size, which are limiting factors for him defensively at this moment, I think the the, the optimistic take is the tools that he has, like yes. the tools that he has that you cannot teach, but that you, if you're an effective like player development um, franchise, that you can kind of mold him into a more effective defender. I think that is very realistic. And, and if you're, if you're evaluating your drafting scoot, like you should be able to project him as a solid defender at some point in his career. Um, I think the other point I would make about, you kind of already talked about his role will be this year for the G league ignite. He's going to be more featured as a primary, uh, primary player being that he's a returning guy and, and Daniels and, and Hardy are gone on the flip side of that, he is going to have to take more responsibility as a defender this season as well. So Daniels is gone. Daniels is a fantastic primary defender, like yeah. big time primary defender. Marjan's gone to another good. Marjan's we gone. We need defender too. Exactly. So like, and, and we'll see how some of these other kind of wing forward types can plug in. I would have a hard time uh, projecting either of them as as a good a defender as Daniels was. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is I'm incredibly excited about the offensive load responsibility that he will have to take on and seeing what he does with that. Uh, I am also excited to evaluate the defensive load that he is going to need to take on uh, to kind of showcase to NBA scouts that he truly is like a surefire top five prospect which I think if you drafted today, he probably would be, but we'll have to kind of sustain that through the year and fixing some of these, these issues we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I do think it's one of those things that if you're, if we're projecting five years out and scoots, you know, in the last year of his rookie deal, he's already a star or he's on year one of his, you know, max rookie extension. He's a star, et cetera, et cetera, which like, you know, I think there are plenty of, of outcomes and projections that 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 they, it's not even the best case scenario. I think there's a lot of different outcomes for this guy that end up with him being, you know, a, a star level player. But assuming he's in that role, I do think there is there's some there are some levels of scoot where if if the if like the on ball defense never quite matches the athleticism depending on your roster construction around him, you can hide them, you know, you, you can stash them on a, on a stationary shooter. You can stash them on a lower usage wing or something like that. And I think not only can he be fine in those scenarios, I think he's actually showed at a young age, some pretty good fight as a help defender, his ability to like make weak side rotations, like watch where he starts. He's on the opposite side of the lane. He's able to get to the rim in time, good solid verticality on the contest and then immediately scoot. This is the clip Richie's playing. He's running in transition right to yeah, the That's really good. <laughs> like he goes from verticality rim stop defensively to other end and one layup in the span of like four seconds. And it's all because he was ready to rotate as the low man on the backside help there. So I, I that's one of my favorite like sequence clips that scoot had this season um, in the G league. We talked about the quick hands, the athleticism, you know, I think he's the guy that could, well, should be able to get a lot of steals as an off-ball player, a guy that's able to get into passing lanes, a guy that he's going to dig. But I just like, the, but especially those rotations being timely, being in the right spots, um, that's going to make it easier if you if you only, if he turns out to be like mediocre to 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 you know subpar on-ball defender. 
I still think you're going to get some good stuff from him defensively because I think there are some encouraging signs with the team defense. We know he's down to hit the he's down to hit the defensive glass. He's down to stick his nose in there and try to like, you know, block a shot or, or show some verticality at the rim. Um, you know, he was willing to stick his nose in on that play. You know what I mean? And, and risk getting scored on or getting dunked on or whatever and, and to get a stop. And obviously, like once he has the ball in transition, it, it's um he's just a he's a he's a lightning bolt to the rim on the other side. So I come away pr- like pretty low on the on ball point of attack defense, pick and roll defense, but sort of encouraged knowing that there are some pathways to him being passable on the defensive side of the court, depending on roster construction and also depending on some sort of like linear progression as a team defender where he's not starting in the negative right now. Like I think he's already like kind of capable in some of those capacities. So uh, Lee, we're, we're kind of getting close to the end here, but do you have any other thoughts on, on scoots team defense and then once we're done with that, I've got a couple like they're kind of like quick hitters on Scoot, sort of like wrap up, and we can get out of here. No, I, I think we've we've covered both ends pretty well. Um, I, I I am really excited not only because of kind of the role uh, projection that we're going to see with him this year. Uh, one other interesting note is the G League Ignite for the first time is going to play a full G League schedule this year, which is really cool. Which means they'll also yep. be eligible for the G League playoffs. So like, we're exciting. just gonna we're just gonna get kind of a more like holistic yeah. look at, at these prospects this year, which is awesome. Yep, exactly. Um, very very cool. Glad. I mean, it felt like that was always in the cards, and they were sort of yep. just like gonna. In part because the first year of of the G League, you know, took place, uh, you know, down in the bubble. And then this was sort of like the first year for them to like kind of see what the vision would look like without a full G League schedule. And I'm not surprised that we're we're getting to this point or getting back to this point. It it makes a lot of sense. We also got the news break uh, last week that along with the full G League schedule in about a, a little under a month from now, like four weeks from now, uh, I think initially it was Raphael Bartholomew who had it, but then Jonathan Gavoni ended up also reporting it from ESPN was that we were going to get two games with Scoot Henderson in the G League Ignite. Um, and I'm blanking on the team that Victor, uh, Victor Wembenyama plays for over in France, but they're going to play two games in early October in Las Vegas. Um, and that's confirmed that- now? That's confirmed. Oh, that's I, awesome. I believe those will also be broadcast on ESPN. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Assuming those guys are hopefully healthy and playing in those games, that's going to be really, really cool to see in, in a unique something that is we haven't seen before. You know, the the one, one number one, number two. I don't know. Maybe maybe you see Amon Thompson somewhere uh, above those guys, but I think consensus, at least in. I need to see more of the Thompson twins to sort of like rate Same. those guys. I've seen m- far more women Yama and I've seen even more scoot. So, but it's going to be awesome to see those guys going up against one another. And uh, hopefully we just get, hopefully, you know, everyone stays healthy and we get to see 30 plus minutes in both those games. So those guys being on the court at the same time and, you know, fingers crossed, there are some splash plays that involve the two of them. So with that in mind, Lee, if I could, right now, if you had the number one pick in the 2023 drafts, would you take Scoot Henderson or would you take uh, Wembenyama? I'd take Wembenyama. I I am still open to the fact that that opinion could change, but and 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 to be to be quite honest, I'm still I think basing a lot of that on what I saw Wembenyama do 
um, against the USA in the, in the, I think it was the U19 uh, FIBA last summer. So like watching his matchup against Chet and some of the, and obviously like Jaden Ivey was in that game. Um, it, it, he's just, and I'm like, of course we're going to do a Victor pod at some point over yes. the next, over the next yeah. couple of weeks before the season starts. And we will, we will gush uh, about yeah. them then. But yeah. if you have it, like just go watch some YouTube highlights of this kind of like seven foot two, seven, four now, seven, seven four now, or just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like he needs like, to, he, he probably needs to stop growing, honestly. Yeah. No, like, it's, you know, yeah, it's true. But, no, yeah. No. And the story, the story that Gavoni had last week, he had him at, I think seven, four with an eight foot wingspan or like just I mean, shy. It doesn't of even foot. look real. Like yeah. it looks like it's, it's like crazy. Some computer generated deep fake or something. Yeah. Like it, the, the, the images of him standing next to Chet Holmgren or playing against Chet and him just being like noticeably taller and longer is, uh, is pretty hilarious. And then also I would like to circle back, forgive me. It was, uh, it was Raphael Barlow who initially broke that story. Uh, so forgive me. I did want to make sure I got the name correct, but yeah, he, he scooped Jonathan Gavoni and he has Gavoni had that like four days later, basically. But, uh, either way, either way, it's good news. I'm very excited to see those two guys together. Uh, last two things very, very quickly. Well, wait, Brian, would you go Victor or would you go Scoot? Yes, I'd go Weminyama, but it's okay. close. It's okay. it's close, and I'm excited to dig into more of the Thompson twins. And from what I've seen of guys like Kim Whitmore, who's going to be at Villanova as a freshman this year, uh, Derek Whitehead, who's going to be at Duke. Of course, he's coming off foot surgery. Excited to see more of him. Nick Smith. Like There are some very intriguing one-and-done guards and wings that are set to arrive on college campuses this year. Uh, Gigi Jackson will be at South Carolina after flipping from the first ever UNC decommit uh, who will be at South Carolina reclassed into this, this grade and will be at South Carolina. We'll talk about all these guys going on, but yeah, I'd go, I'd go Wembenyama uh, at one, but man, Scoot is, is right, is, is right there. Like that's how impressive of a prospect as he is like truly, truly special athlete, special guard, lead guard prospect and advantage creator. So last thing I would say, Lee, what do you think about the, I touched on this very briefly earlier on, but what do you think about hypothetically? What would you think about the fit? Not even like you need to factor fit into these things. Like if the Hornets have the number two pick and Scoot Henderson's there, you take, you know, you, you take Scoot Henderson or, or maybe maybe it's Eamon Thompson. But like, what do you think about Scoot and LaMelo? Hypothetically, what do you think about that as a backcourt to build around? You know, hypothetically, theoretically, whatever you want to call it, I, it's not perfect, but I think it actually works. Like, like you, like you already talked about, uh, and we have talked about at length on this podcast, how LaMelo has, has been ahead of schedule as a, as a shooter based on, based on kind of like his pre-draft evaluation throughout his career and continues to, to make some improvements there. I, I do really want to see Scoot like shoot it at a better clip this year from deep, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's going to play into like not only his NBA evaluation, but will also play into kind of like the type of guard you would want him next to. But when you start talking about these two guys in transition – um, <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean, LaMelo by himself is already just kind of like, you know, obviously like a, like a one man, a one man break and here's Scoot. I mean, you see some of the just, yeah. just powerful 
un, unafraid, like above the rim. If you're not watching the, the video, Richie just played a, a, a video of Scoot running ahead in transition and two-hand jamming on another grown man. I, you know, I think it would be good. I mean, particularly if – I think the one question with those would be we still have questions about LaMelo's point of attack defense, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. so – Although I do believe that Scoot has the tools, the physical ability, and kind of the basketball instincts and know-how to become a good point-of-attack defender, we haven't seen it yet. So that that would still be, like, a pretty big question mark, I think, particularly early in Scoot's career. Um, so other than that, though, like, the offensive fit, I think, is awesome. The transition kind of ball-sharing, p- dynamic playmaking fit is, like, off the charts. Yeah, and then it yeah. just becomes a question of how do they survive defensively um, against, you know, the the most prolific, like, pick-and-roll, pull-up shooting guard types in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Because right now, like, I actually agree with pretty much everything you just said. In transition, it would be dynamic. There's no doubt. It's there's insane. You know, there's, you know, Pat Mahomes throwing to Tyreek Hill. Style. <laughs> yes, that's you know, right. LaMelo slinging it to, to Scoot Anderson. Just, I, and I also think in the half court, they actually complement one another pretty well. Despite the fact that they're two guys that you think should always have the basketball. We've seen both of them play very well in like secondary roles. Like, uh, you know, n- not, or, or not even like just like an off ball secondary role, but like, um, when they're when when the half court action dictates that they need to be a, that that Lamelo needs to be like a connector. Obviously, he can be an incredible connector. He's an unbelievable passer, but Lamelo's not a guy that is just like automatic rim pressure, automatic rim finishing. And we know Scoot has some issues finishing through contact and size at the rim. But he's absolutely a guy that projects to being someone who's going to get a lot of two-point attempts off a live dribble in the paint, a lot of foul creation that way. So if that's a little bit of a weakness with LaMelo, well, then Scoot, that's the strength of his, right? And LaMelo is an excellent spot-up relocation shooter, excellent. One of the best spot-up guys in the league this past season. And I believe 75% of his threes last year were assisted. So you all of a sudden, if you put a guy like Scoot that can um, be instant advantage creation, it can collapse the defense and kick out. And all of a sudden LaMelo is getting, getting easy catch and shoot threes off of simple spread, pick and roll or simple isolation. Plus you put those guys together in, in, in creative pistol style sets, you know, where, uh, Scoot flies up without the basketball. LaMelo kicks it ahead to him. Then LaMelo chases that pass and Scoot can either flip it back to LaMelo on a sprint or he can keep it like fake the handoff and then go into a ball screen with Mark Williams. You know, like all of a sudden you're, you're seeing the, the, the makings of, of a really, really fun and dynamic um, half court double, you know, double barrel, you know, backcourt. And, th- and with those two guys, I still think there's plenty of, there's more than enough possessions to get it to get you know the requisite on ball usage and reps to keep everyone happy and you can stagger minutes as well like it's just like I, I quite I quite like the fit offensively defensively it you know you you would need both those guys to continue to improve and you would also need your your third perimeter guy to probably be like a pretty low usage offensive player and also lockdown defender. To, to be the guy that could really like take on the toughest perimeter assignments. But for the most part, I, I quite like the fit. I don't know if we're going to see it, but at this stage, anything's a possibility. So I say, why not? 
uh, dissect it Dream with, big. with insane, de- insane levels of detail here. So this has been our pod on Scoot Henderson. Lee, any final thoughts before we close this thing out? No, man, just I'll reiterate uh, kind of what I said at the beginning of the podcast. We'll have a few more of these prospect pods coming out as we close out the preseason over the next month and a half. Um, and we will continue to do this throughout the season, too. I think me and BG are both excited to do kind of some, uh, you know, some prospect hot or cold. Who's moving up our board? Who's moving down our board throughout the season as college games uh, start off too. So that's all I got, man. This is, this was really fun. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Enjoyed talking it. We'll definitely be talking more about scoot throughout the season, but I'm glad we could finally get this thing out here. I can't wait to see him play this season in the G league would like to say a uh, quick thanks to Richie for producing and putting this together and splicing in some of these, these clips. Uh, if you didn't listen to it, make sure to check out the the recording he did with the guys from Nick's film school. Those are good people. That's another blue wire podcast. I'm going to be joining Samson folk to talk Raptors and Hornets later this weekend, which I'm, which I'm excited about. So we've got some more preseason content coming for you uh, on the horizon and including more draft coverage as well. So thank you for tuning in again, make sure to subscribe to Buzzbeat plus, and we will see you next time. Go Hornets. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.